0: Welcome to This Girl Puts Out. I'm your host, Carmacaretta, and I interview real women with real stories about real life stuff. I'm inviting you to laugh, cry, and connect with my guests as they share some of their most impactful life experiences from their brightest moments to their darkest hours. For more stories and an opportunity to share your own, visit me at thisgirlputsout.com. Welcome everyone to another of This Girl Puts Out. Thank you so much for joining me and sticking with me on this journey of mine. I have a very special guest I'd like to share with you today. Her name is Melinda Shimei, and she is going to share her personal story with us as well as offer some expert insight because she is a professional into some important topics for women. We're going to talk about self care, trauma, and feminism. She's also going to tell us about her unique framework for helping women reclaim self-love and self-trust as well as some of her upcoming projects. So Melinda is a licensed psychologist. She is a trauma-informed yoga teacher, which I had no idea existed. Um, And she is the creator of Badass Self-Care a feminist framework of self-care. Melinda earned her doctorate in counseling and school psychology from the University of Buffalo, where she studied the mind-body connection and its impact on the healing process. After graduate school, she started Tree of Life Yoga Studio, and she went on to found Living Wellness of Niagara, a holistic health center in her hometown of Niagara Falls, New York. So good morning, Melinda, and thank you for being with us today. Hi,
1: Carm. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here.
0: Awesome. I want to read a few more of your accolades. Melinda's first book is called My Sacred Pause, Daily Reflections on Looking Within, Loving Who You Are, and Living Out Loud. It is a collection of essays. It's designed to inspire busy women to pause And take a few minutes for themselves each day her second book badass self-care is a six-month guided journey into reclaiming self-love and self-trust through her private practice as a therapist books and online course offerings melinda works with sensitive empathetic women i'm sorry that's empathic women who are ready to move beyond exhaustion and overwhelm and into the space of self-care prioritizing their own needs And I'm going to tell you all about how to get in touch with Melinda at the end of our podcast, but um, welcome again. And I'm so happy that you're here today to inform us and share your story. There's just so much value in everything that we're talking about today and sharing, sharing your personal story as well. So with gratitude, we're going to begin Melinda. And um, we're going to start at the beginning. Tell us a little bit about growing up and what that was like for you, um, you know, and the values and beliefs you were raised with.
1: Sure, sure. Thank you, Carm. Yeah, so I grew up locally right in the Wheatfield area with my parents and brother and sister. Um, We had a nice big backyard with trails and a pond and we spent a lot of time playing outside, swimming in our pool. Um, I just love to be in nature. That's something that's still true for me today. My mom was a science teacher and we had all kinds of pets, uh, not just cats and dogs, but fish and snakes. And um, I have all these pictures of me when I was a kid with like a boa constrictor around my neck. and It was <laughs> it was a unique uh, growing up experience and really cool Um I still have that that love of animals. I don't still have that love of snakes, but (laughs) I did when I was younger. My mom, uh, I mentioned she was a science teacher. She actually was finishing college during my childhood and my adolescence. So I was definitely raised with that belief that education is very important. Yeah, just thinking about, we weren't raised with specific religious beliefs, but again, my mom really emphasized just the importance of being kind to others, of being a good person. So I can definitely see how a lot of what I enjoyed as a kid has carried over into my adulthood in terms of nature and animals and reading and writing.
0: Um, So you you did share with me in our first meeting that you do have a history of abuse as a young person and without going into details, can you tell us how, how that affected you and, and shaped you and how you, you healed through that?
1: Yes, absolutely. I'm, I'm happy to share about that. Um, I think it's really important to share about actually, because so often people don't, these are the kinds of things that are, are kept in the dark. So I am a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. And I also experienced domestic violence in several of my early romantic relationships. It it affected me very deeply and really shaped my views of myself. So as a young person, I had very low self-esteem. I had this belief that something was wrong with me. Um, I suffered from anxiety, panic attacks, depression, Um, but I didn't tell anyone. I kept all of that stuff on the inside and I really coped just by focusing on achievement and, and trying to like prove that I was okay, that I was good enough. Yeah. So I would say from the outside, anyone who knew me would think that I was doing great. Like I had a wonderful group of friends. I earned really good grades. Um, I participated in extracurricular activities, but on the inside, it was, it was really hard for me. And that all really came tumbling down um, my first year away at college. My depression got really bad. My panic attacks were so severe that I would rarely leave my dorm room. Uh, My thoughts went into a very dark place. Um, And I really just thought at that time that that was going to be my life forever. Um, Wow.
0: It's a lot for a young person to carry.
1: Yeah, it it was a lot. And, you know, interestingly or not, I'm, I'm a believer in sort of divine intervention. When I came home from that first year of college, I learned that I was pregnant with my first daughter and that just like flipped a switch for me. Um, I wasn't, you know, magically cured of anxiety or depression, but I had this motivation. I had this reason to live. Mm-hmm. And I had this reason really to try to thrive. Like I wanted to create a really beautiful life for my daughter. Mm-hmm.
0: So you didn't have counseling or anything until you were an adult.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I started therapy um, right after I found out I was pregnant. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So right around 18, 19. Yeah. Um,
0: so that just goes to show that, you know, when we don't process things, and deal with them, they come out eventually in some way. And that's why, you know, talking is so important.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I know that in therapy, I'll often use the analogy that, you know, we can put the hard things behind a wall and a lot of us do that, right? We mm-hmm. just keep throwing stuff over that wall, but eventually like it starts to seep out, you know, um, that only works for so long. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Right. 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 So, you know, that's considered, we call that trauma in the professional world, right? So um, can you explain trauma to us and how that differs from grief?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And the two things can go together for sure. They Mm -hmm. often do. Mm -hmm. But in terms of trauma, we just like we have a natural ability to digest food and to heal from physical wounds, right? Like if you... If you cut your finger, even if you have to get stitches, right, the stitches don't heal your finger, they just hold the skin in place, your finger heals itself, right? Right. So we have that natural ability to heal physically, we also have a natural ability to process and digest emotional experiences. And trauma is when that natural ability gets impacted. So something happens that overwhelms the person's ability to cope. And that's trauma. And and so often people will think of things like we call um, big T trauma in the field of psychology, something like physical abuse, sexual abuse, um, surviving a natural disaster, you know, a really horrible accident, something like that. Mm -hmm. But there is also what's called that little T trauma. So something that might not be so obviously traumatic, but can still overwhelm our capacity to cope. Um, you know, being a child and your parents arguing a lot at home or having to go to a new school when you're a child. So it it might sound less serious, but truly those things can build up and they can have just as much distress as one sort of big event. So that's trauma. And then grief is really just a natural response to loss, right? So they can go together. Mm -hmm. If you are in a traumatic car accident, and then you lose your job and you have financial problems, you know, you can grieve kind of the loss that goes along with that. Mm -hmm. Or if you survive a hurricane, but you lose your home or you have to move, you know, there can definitely be grief that goes along with trauma, Mm -hmm. but people can certainly be inside of grief and something traumatic did not happen, right? We grieve things all the time.
0: Thank you for explaining that. So I'm hearing the word trauma used a lot more frequently which I think is probably a good thing and um, this is why I've asked you to define it I you know I, I know people that are in therapy for for trauma now and I'm just hearing it mm-hmm. hearing it more often but it's not new <laughs>
1: right.
0: and um, I have to believe at some point we all experience trauma
1: mm-hmm. yes I would agree with that. Even if people haven't had that big T kind of trauma Mm -hmm. experience, Mm -hmm. they certainly have had some of those little T experiences. And honestly, we know from research and studies that many, many people do experience those big T traumas. Um, Unfortunately, they are more common. Mm -hmm. So yes, I would say that most people to some degree have experienced trauma, Mm -hmm. um, and people respond differently. So not everyone who experiences trauma will develop like post-traumatic stress disorder or will develop clinical depression, um, things of that nature. There are just Mm -hmm. so many different elements that impact how someone responds to a traumatic event.
0: How does someone know they they have overwhelmed their system with the trauma and they're not coping. How do they know they need help?
1: Yeah. If you are struggling to function in your daily life, Mm -hmm. that's definitely a sign that you need help. So if it's hard to go to work or if it's hard to get out of bed, or you find that you don't have interest in activities anymore, you're isolating yourself, things of that nature. If you're having panic attacks, flashbacks, things like that, But again, many people are not going to experience those very severe symptoms. And I still believe that everyone deserves help. Like I am a big believer that therapy can be beneficial for all people because it's just really hard to be a human, right? (laughs) Like, especially right now, everybody needs therapy. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And I mean that in the best way. Like I just, I still go to therapy. I have the same therapist I've had since I was 18 years old. It's pretty cool, actually. And I'm just a believer that it's wonderful to have that support. It's a really unique relationship therapy Mm -hmm. and it can be very powerful and very healing. So I think even if someone is considering, Hmm, do I need some therapy or could I benefit from some therapy? It would definitely make sense to reach out and talk with a professional about that.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, I think people spend a lot of time getting lost in the, is this really a problem? You know, they, they, they question whether or not they're just messed up, or they should be able to get through this on their own, or, you know, they question whether or not it's even an issue sometimes, and that prevents them from, from reaching out for help. But you're right, nothing, nothing lost if you reach out, and then find that, you know, you have processed something, and you are coping well, and you are okay. So can we, can you tell us about some of the, the novel treatments for trauma? Um, I've heard about this eye movement thing. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, so I'm interested in, in hearing about some trauma treatment.
1: Absolutely. Yes. So what you're referring to is called EMDR, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. So it's a very specific and very effective treatment for trauma the eye movement piece is that you literally move your eyes back and forth while you are processing a traumatic memory. It's, it's a wonderful form of therapy. I've had it myself. I'm certified and trained in it myself and I use it with my clients. It, it addresses not only the thoughts and beliefs that we have about ourselves because of traumatic events, but the emotions connected with it, the body sensations, which is really important. We know now that just talking about traumatic things can only take us so far in our healing process. Trauma lives in the body, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's stored in the body. So we need the body to be involved in the healing. And EMDR is a unique um, tool because it does that. This is also why... Trauma informed yoga can be very helpful in healing um, for releasing that stored up trauma in the body. Mm-hmm. There are also other somatic therapies, um, things like somatic experiencing, that involve just kind of tracking sensation in the body, things mm-hmm. of that nature. Yeah, so EMDR is is wonderful. You do have to see a practitioner that is specifically trained in that because it is a very intense protocol. Mm-hmm. Um, so locally, we have the Western New York EMDR Network. They have a website where you can search mm-hmm. for practitioners, mm-hmm. or you know, you can ask someone if if you want to work with them, or you're giving them a call. So that's so, a great tool. Wow,
0: so interesting. But you're right. If you're not connecting the mind with the body, you're not going to do the person. Justice, really, right? So, and I never, I never even thought about, you know, the physical connection. You know, I figured, okay, you're in therapy, you're talking about it, you're processing, but it makes sense. It does. So interesting.
1: Yeah, and and talking is great and important and super helpful for lots and lots of things, but trauma is just very uniquely in the body, and we that component uh, needs to be addressed.
0: Yeah. Well we're going to start talking about your framework that you developed for self-care called badass self-care awesome name and <laughs> uh but tell us about the the storm that was happening in your life that was the catalyst um yes. that, that helped you propelled you into badass self-care
1: thank you yes i would love to talk a little bit about that um I believe it was 2012 and hurricane Sandy hit uh, the East coast over here. And my husband's 98 year old grandmother um, was living by herself right on the water in Queens. And her house was just really, really damaged. So she came to live with us. And at that time, my younger daughter was a toddler. My older daughter was a teenager. (laughs) So I was caring for, you know, a toddler, a teenager and a 98 year old. Um, And my husband and I were both juggling our careers around that caregiving. We would trade off. So he worked during the day. I worked evenings and Saturdays. It was a a very intense time for us. Mm -hmm. And it really felt like I, I lost myself. I just got so far away from myself. I wasn't thinking about myself at all, really. I was just trying to be a mom and a caregiver for my husband's grandmother, and a wife and a therapist, and run a yoga studio and run the wellness center. Um, Wow, that's so. so, Yeah, (laughs) yes, I could feel like a little anxiety rising just remembering. Just, I know,
0: I feel the same (laughs) way. That's a lot of balls to be holding up in the air.
1: Yes, absolutely. So she left. She she was feisty um, at that time, 99 year old woman who wanted to go back to her own house. So after her house was repaired, she went back to Queens. um, And I promised myself that I was going to make some changes, I could see that I really needed to make myself a Mm -hmm. priority. So I really came up with the term badass self care, just as a promise to myself. Um, I called it that because I felt like it was a pretty radical notion to take care of myself. And I also knew I would need this like badass energy to actually show up for myself. So I started off, um, I'm I'm a very big list person. I love lists. So every week, I would make a self care list. And I would like go to yoga class, take a run, meet this friend for a pedicure, you know, things of that nature, meditate, And it did help me. It helped me find my way back to myself. And I felt more grounded. I felt more connected with my intuition. I was doing a lot of these really helpful behaviors. And I noticed that most women that I know personally and professionally really struggle with self-care. So I decided to offer it as a course and share what I had learned.
0: When you say you had to develop this badass mentality to show up for yourself, Showing up for yourself means actually just like doing it, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you can plan all you want, um, but I, I hear that a lot. You know, you have to show up. You have to you have to complete the list. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's what I have trouble with. I know what I need, and I know it has to be done, and I can figure out a plan. But showing up for the plan is is uh, I guess requires a little more badass mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, so were you were you conscious at the time? you talk a, a lot about you, the patriarchal belief system and and how that plays into self-care for women. And at the time, did you realize that were you connecting those two things or were you just like exhausted, I got to get some me time if I'm going to continue to function?
1: Yeah, I did not make that connection for quite a while. I really at that point just thought it was a me problem mm-hmm. that, you know, what's wrong with me? why am I not feeling okay? Why am I not satisfied with my life? That's Um, a big one.
0: I should be happy.
1: I should be happy. I have so much. Yes, exactly. So I really thought it was a me problem for sure. Mm -hmm. And even when I first developed the program, badass self-care and started teaching it to women, I was not thinking about the social and cultural context that we live inside of, I was again, like, okay, here's how we can solve this problem for ourselves. We just need to meditate. We just need to set boundaries. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, that definitely had an impact for myself and for the women I worked with. And I really, I lived in that space for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought I had it all figured out. (laughs) I really did. And then, uh, there was this, this period in my life, um, was it was 2017 so not that long ago where i landed in this this awful state of burnout and i had an episode of depression for the first time in 10 years i was very physically unwell i developed some physical symptoms that that weren't making a lot of sense I was exhausted all the time. And that was, that was really hard for me because I had been practicing this badass self-care and teaching it to other women for Mm -hmm. years. Mm -hmm. And I was like, how am I in this place? Then I really was like, what's wrong with me? You know, I really felt like, like a fraud in some ways. Like how, how can this be happening to me?
0: How can I, how can I be teaching this when I can't do it?
1: Yes, absolutely. And really on paper, I was doing all the things. Mm -hmm. But what I learned is that I wasn't doing those things till after I had taken care of everyone and everything else. So I was really just like surviving on these crumbs Mm -hmm. of my own love and my own care. And I was giving that whole cake to everybody else. Mm -hmm. So that is when I took a sabbatical from work. I took three months off Mm -hmm. and I took the three months off to write my first book and I worked on that a little bit, but really all I did was focus on healing. You know, I worked with all kinds of healers, an acupuncturist, an energy healer, of course, my therapist. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started to make the connection with the larger um, social, cultural context that we live inside of. And I don't think it's a coincidence. I was also evolving in my social justice journey at that point And just understanding more about how the systems we live inside of have an impact. Mm-hmm. And that's when it clicked for me that, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> this isn't just a me problem. This is like an all women in our, in our culture everywhere problem mm-hmm. because we're really socialized that what we need doesn't matter. That we're here to serve others. We're here to take care of other people, especially for mothers, mm-hmm. right? A good mother puts herself last. A good right, all of that stuff. Um, and I just realized it was it was bullshit, and it wasn't what I wanted to model for my daughters. And that's when I I really started to make some changes, change my work schedule, change my boundaries, really started prioritizing myself.
0: And so you had your initial framework and your initial courses that you had offered for badass self-care. How did you bring this new social context into it once you made that connection and things, you know, made sense on a different level for you? How did did you integrate them into badass self-care?
1: Yes, yes, yes. So, well, when I first taught the program, it was a six-week Course. Mm-hmm. And now it's a six month course. <laughs> and there are six different components that I could tell you about in a moment. Um, but really, I just integrated into everything we talk about. So, when we're talking about, for example, the second component is called ground and it's about cultivating a loving relationship with your body. We can't talk about that without talking about all the things that interfere with us doing that, which are things like patriarchy diet culture, the thin ideal, right? So Mm -hmm. really looking at how the context of our lives impacts our ability to care for ourselves and impacts our beliefs about caring for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, so now it's really woven throughout every single thing that I teach because it is woven throughout our lives.
0: Just listening to you talk, these, um, thoughts and ideas, they they symbolize freedom in a way for us as women, you know, I feel when I listen to you say those words and share those ideas, they make so much sense. It's like a, a light switch, you know, and once you hear it, you understand, wow, this is how not only I've modeled my life, but our entire, our entire culture and the world we live in, how it's affected us and, and made us part of who we are.
1: Yes. Yeah. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Right. That's Right. That's right.
0: It's, it's profound. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. So back to the practice of self-care, I know, you know, we're, we're talking about self-care a lot, a lot more now too, which is, which is great. Maybe superficially, maybe not, but you know, a lot of people think self-care is bubble baths and, you know, a mm-hmm. night out with your girlfriends. So how do we understand that? It's not a luxury, it's a necessity. And we need to do it every day, like brushing our hair or brushing our teeth.
1: Yeah. And I think it's really important to be clear about what self-care is, right? Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, I I think it's unfortunate. It's been kind of commodified, right? And and it's a thing that people sell and And I do not want any woman to feel like self-care is another thing on her to-do list. Like that, that is not not what I'm out here trying to promote. Um, Mm -hmm. So of course I have lots to say about what self-care is. That's why I wrote an entire book about it. But (laughs) if I had to sum it up, um, to me, it's where you are building a life where you're regularly tuned into yourself. So connected with that inner self You know what you want, you know what you need, and then you're taking steps toward that. So you can go and and have the bubble bath and not be doing self-care. And a lot of women do this. They take the bubble bath and they feel bad the whole time. They're inside of guilt. They think they should be doing something else. They're worried if people are mad at them. That's not self-care, right? Because you're beating yourself up the whole time. Right. The behaviors are important and the mindset is really important too. So you yeah. asked, how can we make that more, more just integrated into our daily lives? And I think the most important thing to remember is that everything we're talking about and that I talk about when I'm talking about self-care is a practice. So this Is not something that you're gonna like check the box and you're done. Oh, I I love myself now. Done. Take that off the to-do list, right? Like just like being in a relationship with someone else, being in a relationship with yourself is an ongoing, ever-evolving process. So you can start your self-care journey with behaviors if you'd like. You can you can make that list like I used to do. Um or you can you can set a goal of, okay, I want to write in my journal three times a week for 15 minutes a day or whatnot. Or you can start with the mindset stuff and you can think about, um, you know, just start to maybe notice your thoughts and see if there's a place where you can create a shift there. Even just starting with the thought of I'm learning that I deserve to take time to care for myself. Something as simple as that. Mm-hmm can be really helpful. So you can create a new default where this is just how you live your life, tuned into yourself, acknowledging what you want and need, taking steps toward it. Um, It just takes practice. You're literally like creating some new pathways in your brain, right? right? So you wanna be really patient with yourself, If you don't know what to do, always come back to self-compassion, which is just being kind to yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Acknowledging if you're having a hard time. And I think conversations like this are really important. I think modeling, right? So our kids and the people around us are always picking up on what we're doing. Mm -hmm. So we can start to just normalize and just we do it and then it, it becomes yeah. more of our daily routine. And you will probably if you're a person and I know there are a lot of people like this and don't feel bad about it, because, again, there's nothing wrong with you. You have been conditioned and socialized to be this way. But if you do not ever take time for yourself or think about what you want and need, it's going to feel really uncomfortable when you start doing that. So just know that, right. It's, it's uncomfortable when we start doing anything new and different. Mm -hmm. So be kind to yourself, be patient and just, just, just try, just Mm -hmm. try. And you'll see that over time, um, it gets easier. I won't say that it ever, like, I still have times where I will feel a twinge of guilt about taking some time for myself or choosing myself, or I'll have the thought, Oh my gosh, I could be doing, you know, 10 other things right now. Mm -hmm. And I just notice that. And then I just go on my merry way, (laughs) almost like in meditation, where you just notice your thoughts, and then you, you know, just release them and come back to your breath or your mantra or whatever. Mm -hmm. I'll be like, Oh, there I am having some guilty feelings. It's okay, I'm gonna, you know, carry on doing what feels feels right for me. I love the idea of just
0: um, being aware of your thoughts, like start there. That is, that is so key and, and not too difficult to do. You don't have to, you know, that's not a list thing, a list item. (laughs) You can just practice that, you know, for a whole day or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, That's, that's the part where it's difficult for me. You know, I like to just push, keep pushing, push, push, push forward, getting through the activities of the day and whatnot. And I like to be caught up in my busyness and that's my excuse. So.
1: (laughs) And women are so good at juggling so many things, right? Like we can do this. We can put ourselves aside and push through. I know we can, we do it all the time. It just hurts my heart. We shouldn't have to. right? Right. So one of the strategies that I use is I do a very short, like 10-15 10-15 minute self-care practice first thing in the morning mm-hmm. before I attend to anyone else. And I like it because it sort of sets the tone that like I'm important and I'm taking care of me first. And for me, that's usually journal writing. Sometimes meditation, it can be whatever you want. It could be that you just drink your coffee in silence and, and look out the window, you know, at the birds. It can be anything. There's no right or wrong. But Sometimes we have this idea that self care is like complicated. It's expensive. No, 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 no. <laughs> it can be really simple. And you, I, I don't want anyone to have to survive on fifteen minutes of care a day. But you will be amazed at what fifteen minutes can do can do for you. You know, it's a really good start. Um, and that usually feels that usually feels doable to most people. Even if you have to lock yourself in the bathroom. You know, for right. five minutes to meditate or write in your journal. Thank you, I love that. So I have a
0: young man in my house who's 13, and he's he frequently tells me about you know things he's watching on the TikTok on social or you know what he's seeing online, and he's been throwing around the word feminist. I love it. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so I thought you know. He asked me one day, "Well, what is it?" And you know it's a lot of things, but um, is there a right or wrong answer to that question and and what is your definition?
1: Yeah, so to me, it's it's pretty simple. Feminism just means equal rights for all people, regardless of their gender. So that's socially, economically, politically. And I do think that it's very important um, that we think about what's called intersectional feminism. So that's a term that was first coined by Kimberly Crenshaw. And it, it simply means that we consider people's intersecting identities. So as a white woman, right, it's it's one thing for me to think about feminism but, and equality. But equality for women of color, transgender women, gay women, lesbian women, right? So we want to consider those intersecting intersecting identities things like race and class Mm -hmm. gender sexuality so again equal rights for all people regardless of those things so I don't I don't think that it has to be complicated it can feel complicated in daily life right sometimes people get confused and think oh my gosh if I'm going to claim to be a feminist then I have to do these certain things like yes I have to have a job outside of the home. I can't be a stay-at-home mom, or oh, I can't, I can't care about makeup or like clothing. And and that's not true. There are a million different ways to be a feminist. Um, you can be a, a stay-at-home mom and be a super badass feminist. It's just about understanding that that's a choice and wanting everyone to be able to have those choices, mm-hmm. right? So again, it just goes back to that belief that we should all have equal rights regardless of our gender, right? And so women should be paid the same as men and women of color should be paid the same as men and women should be represented in our government, things of that nature. Mm
0: -hmm. And so we honor the feminist within us by recognizing that we're as important as any of the people that we take care of. So your framework is a feministic framework, so to speak.
1: Yes. Yes. I think it's definitely fair to say that. Um, and I share in my book a little bit, my, my new book about how I originally misunderstood feminism. Mm-hmm. And I thought that it meant that I could be just like a man. So I really, and that that would earn me the same rights and privileges that men have. So I really worked very hard to emulate those masculine characteristics of, you know, being very driven, very linear, consistent, you know, focused. Mm -hmm. And, and I did it. (laughs) So I, you know, I finished my doctorate, I got this great job and had, you know, my first 401k and all that stuff. And, and I sat in my fancy office and cried, like I was totally unfulfilled. I felt empty inside. I couldn't understand again. I thought, what's wrong with me? These are all the things people told me to do, right? Right. Society said, check these boxes and you'll be happy and fulfilled. And I wasn't. Um, And that's when I started to really, so I call it the, the kind of soft whisper of my feminine voice and the deafening, you know, voice of patriarchy. So I started to give that soft uh, feminine voice a chance and listen to what she wanted me to do the books she wanted me to read the spaces she wanted me to be in. And that's when my life really, really shifted. And I ended up leaving my job and opening the yoga studio and starting the wellness center and all that good stuff. So I would love to just clarify that when I say feminine and masculine, um, those are just the terms that we have right now. I know that they're they kind of play into that gender binary and they're not, they're not perfect, but I, I think of it as feminine and masculine energy. So it really doesn't matter what your gender is. All of us has have feminine and masculine energy inside of us. And again, one's not better than the other. They're just different. Mm -hmm. So that, that feminine energy is like soft and flowing and gentle, and the masculine energy is, is the hard directive linear, you know, feminine is like surrendering and trusting the process and masculine is like, let's get shit done. Right? So yeah. Both of those are important. The issue is that because we live inside of a patriarchal culture, everything feminine is devalued and seen as less than, and those masculine things are, are prized and held up as you know, the standard. So. We really get disconnected from the feminine within us, and again, I I work with and speak to women, but this is true for men too, mm-hmm. right? Maybe even more so for men. So we get disconnected from that, and then we we disconnect from and we deny parts of ourselves, mm-hmm. right? And it's it's this message is everywhere. It's another one of those things that's so ubiquitous. It's like hard to even notice. Um, but once we can learn about it and recognize those messages, we can. We can unlearn them and we can choose a new way and we can understand. So I talked about that misunderstanding of feminism. Mm -hmm. Now I understand that that means I should be given those same rights and privileges for the the feminine creature that I am. I shouldn't have to perform and act like a man to get respect, right? We should be celebrated and revered as feminine creatures, right? That's amazing. So that was a very long-winded answer, but yeah, no, <laughs> I'm a little passionate that. about it in case you I'm can't notice. I am so <laughs>
0: intrigued. I am, but I'm also feeling bad for, for men who can't yes. connect with their feminine energy. You Absolutely. know, and, I mean, I've worked in the medical fields my entire life and <laughs> that shit's a mess. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> and it's not good for anyone, right? No,
0: no, not it, healthy. You know what?
1: Mm, yes, and it's so interesting. I don't know if you have seen the show Ted Lasso.
0: Not yet. No.
1: Okay. Oh, so people, people love this show, and I think it's because Ted, the main character, is a beautiful example of a man being really in tune with his feminine self. He, you know, he like bakes cookies for his boss every morning. He has these really heartfelt, emotional conversations with these like rough you know soccer player dudes so i think people love it because they are we're, we're craving it we all we all humans are in such need of feminine energy like if you take a look around at our society right i mean people are suffering the earth is not being well cared for there's just there's addiction there's so much like you can see that things are not going great <laughs> with the masculine energy leading So we all are in need of, of the healing that comes from tuning into this feminine energy. And you're right. uh, My heart hurts for men too. Like it, I can't imagine feeling like I have to walk around, you know, not expressing emotions and being a tough guy all day long. That's why patriarchy is not good for any of us. It's not good Mm -hmm. for men either. They have power and they have resources, but it's, it's not good for them emotionally either.
0: Clearly. Yes. Well, tell us what's coming up for you. You have a book coming out.
1: Yes. Yes. I'm so excited. So Badass Self-Care, the book, (laughs) is going to be available for pre-orders November 1st. And I actually did this really cool project with my friend Bella of Intention Blends. She creates essential oil perfume rollers And so there are six components of badass self-care, and we created six essential oil rollers to support those components. So it's really cool. They not only smell amazing, but the scents were chosen for the properties of the plants and the flowers. So they really support what we're working on. Um, Like today, I knew I was doing this podcast with you. So one of the components of badass self-care is called speak. And it's about just naming what you want and using your voice. And I was like, I'm going to use the speak oil before my, before my podcast interview that's perfect. Yeah. (laughs) So those are available for pre-order too. And I think it's just such a cool combination to have that to work with.
0: Wow. So this is this is a big deal for you. You know, you've completed the book and getting ready for release. And I'm so happy that I get to help spread the message about that. I'm going to give full information on the podcast uh, site as far as um, all of your links, one place where people can find you today after listening, they can go to your website,
1: Yep. It's melindashime.com and I can spell it out because Shime is not spelled how it sounds. <laughs> so it's Melinda and then it's S C I M com. And yeah, I think that's, that's the best place to find me and all my social stuff is connected there. I'm on Facebook and Instagram. I have a free private Facebook group um, that people are welcome to join. I send out a weekly newsletter. All that stuff will pop up on my website.
0: Awesome. I just loved this conversation. I I hope you come
1: back. Oh, thank you, Carm. I really appreciate you having me. And I really appreciate your help with spreading the word about this book. Um, I'm trying to think of a less trite way to say that I believe it'll change people's lives, but I really do believe it'll change people's lives. And I'm just hopeful that it will make this this work and this information accessible for many more people.
0: Sure, sure. And that's, that's our hope when we put our heart yes. in, in everything we have into a project like this. And I think it's going to do exactly what you're hoping for. And I'm so delighted to be one of the first to share the news about it and to um, share you with my audience. So I want to thank you for being so gracious and generous today. And I look forward to watching uh, the book release and your journey. And this girl puts out is officially signing off. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate and review this podcast. And for more stories about real-life women, visit thisgirlputsout.com.